Our scripture reading this week is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is in the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. All right. Good morning, Redemption Tucson. Thank you, Megan, for um, reading God's word this morning for us. And um, yeah, church, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Tucson. And um, again, we're glad that we can gather together in this way. If you're new or you've never heard me preach before, um, I do want to let you know that I have a stutter, which will come in and out as I, as I, as I speak, and want to make sure just that you know what, um, what that is. And, and now before we get into our time in Ephesians this morning, and um, if you're someone who um, recalls that we said we would be starting John this week, um, I want to share with you why we're postponing beginning John till next week. It's because um, I'm excited to share with you, church, that um, for those who are able and who want to um, regather in some form, we are able um, now to be able to start that next week. So next Sunday, yes, wow, surprise applause here and excitement um, for those in the here in the room. So um, again, we will be sending out an email um, tomorrow where we'll put all the info in there about what that means, what that looks like, what kind of restrictions and requirements we're going to continue to um, adhere by and to honor. And um, we're going to be here at the vineyard. And um, again, we'll send out all the details there. But I, I, I do want to say while I have all of our um, ear that um, we're going to continue to walk through the posture of how can we um, be a, 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 a representation of the love of Christ. And specifically, we want to honor the vineyard who have built up incredible relationships with their neighbors, and we want to go out of our way to be good neighbors. And so again, we'll speak into that some in the email that we'll send out, but we um, you know, want to acknowledge um, just we're in really strange times. And so while we're really excited to be able to gather together um, for those of us who are you know, able, um, we, we want to continue to go out of our way to, um, again, exist to be a, a demonstration of the good news of Jesus. And I also want to say that um, we fully understand for those who are not able or just don't think it's wise and um, don't want to re-gather and for any different number of reasons aren't able to at this time. Um, we see you, we continue to love you and to want to um, shepherd and come alongside you as well. And there is no judgment or anything like that um, as there hasn't been over the last many months for those who have been saying all along, why aren't we gathering? Why aren't we gathering. We're, we're in this place together. Um, we are the united people uh, of God under the good news of Jesus, and we'll still do everything we've been doing um, to make it able for, for everyone to be able to um, worship and to participate 
in corporate worship together um, for those who are able to in person and for those at home and in other ways. Amen? All right. Looks like everyone here got quiet now. They all cheered though, right? So you know that we're not alone. Um, now let me explain where we're headed this morning. So we thought this would be a good chance to, um, before we get into John, where we'll be for the foreseeable future, to get into a time where we look at the church, who we are. Okay, so we're just going to kind of step back and look at what it means and, and who we are to be the church, the people of Christ. So with that, let's go ahead and pray before we get into our time in Ephesians. Heavenly Father, as has been prayed and as we continue to pray, we exist for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of others. Lord, we pray that this morning, as we walk through your word, that we will continue to um, exist and to live in that kind of way, Lord, that we will be identified by the person and work of Jesus. And as we regather for some and for others who continue to not be able to, we pray that we will um, all remain existing for Jesus' glory, our joy, and the good of others. And Lord, I pray that this time right now in your word, by your Holy Spirit, that you will shape us, that you will will oversee our time. Lord, I pray that we will all be um, anchored a bit more clearly in what it means to be your people, individually and corporately. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, do you remember something called the soup plantation or sweet tomatoes? Okay, some of you might remember. I don't even know if they still exist, um, but it was these type of restaurants that kind of advertised being like healthy but really weren't in multiple ways, at least not for someone like me. And it was all you can eat, but they put names that made it sound like it was healthy and it was a good idea to go there. And, and then also um, they had a salad bar at the very beginning when you walked in, which I learned pre- at a fairly young age was, was um, placed there so you would waste your appetite on the things that didn't cost as much money and that weren't as good, and, um, and, and then you would not have as much room for all the good stuff. Well, again, I learned pretty early on um, that for me, some of the favorite things were like all-you-can-eat ice cream and um, nacho cheese sauce on anything you wanted, right? Like it was usually over by actually like chips, like you could make nacho bowls or like baked potatoes potatoes, but again, it's all you can eat. It's like, make yourself at home here. So whatever you think should be covered in cheese, which is everything, right? Like, go ahead, go buy the, you know, potato bar and smother it with cheese. Well, um, that's just how I knew it. And, and to be clear, I grew up going to these places. Whenever mom got paid, we would usually go to Sizzler or to one of those two places, and, and we just um, indulged. And, and it wasn't until I was older, I went and met a pastor at, um, at Sweet Tomatoes, and he goes, man, that pizza smells so good, but I know I, I should eat salad. Um, I should just stick to salad and perhaps some soup, but really all that other stuff, you know, nacho cheese, really, that's what I want, but I, I shouldn't. And that's how a lot of us view church. I know I really should go to church. I know I really, really ought to do this, that, and the other. I should open the Bible. I should pray. I should live in community alongside other Christians, other followers of Christ, but I don't really want to. We kind of live in that tension. 
And church, I submit to us that as we enter into this time together, as we look at Ephesians chapter 3 together, that, that, that we need a paradigm shift. That that is not God's view of what it means to be his people, to be the church. That because of sin, right, we, we talk about this often, that um, because sin entered in, our identity and our purpose has been distorted. We now think we know who we are and who we ought to be and how we ought to live better than God. That God created us to bear his image and to live all of life for his glory and our joy and to carry out his mission throughout the entire world. And then we said, no, I think we know a little bit better. And so because of sin, because we've all like sheep gone astray and turned to our own way, we think we know better. But the reality is because of sin, we don't really know ultimately what we need or even really what we want. And so with that, we're going to get into this time where we look at God's design for his church. And it's who we are. And we're going to walk through it in three parts, just to give you some, some kind of categories to walk through. That, that, that the church is, is, is God's restored people, and the church is God's great plan, and then the church is God's enduring promise. Okay, so with that, um, open up with me right now to, again, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. And we're just going to walk through these verses together to get a better idea of what it means to be the church. So the author Paul says this, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power of this gospel. Now, right, the kind of pregnant question is what gospel? Well, the whole first part of Ephesians, chapter 1, chapter 2, and then the beginning of chapter 3, Paul has been laying out the gospel, and he's been um, explaining what it means to be the reconciled people of God, that we are, 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 are naturally born um, deserving of God's wrath, and we are naturally his enemies, and that we are at odds with each other as well. And then this gospel, specifically right before this in chapter 3, what Paul has been talking about is he's been saying, listen, God's salvation, God's restoration is not just for Jewish people. This audience would have, would, this would have been new news okay, to them. This would have been good news, all right? That's what the gospel means. And, and this would have been, it's not just for Jewish people, but even the, the non-Jewish Romans, right? Even the non-Jewish Greeks, even the pagan people of different parts of Europe, even the multiple um, tribes all throughout Africa, the indigenous people groups from um, different parts of China and North America and into South America. And then thousands of years later, a beautiful tapestry or conglomeration of people, also not only Jewish in Tucson, Arizona in 2020. This gospel, this, this beautiful picture of, of God restoring a people and shaping a people together. And then look with me again, continue to read, right? He says that he's, he says that this gospel, he has been made a minister. That's his identity and his purpose. He is now called to be a minister of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, God's grace, undeserved 
favor, right? And then he says it was given to him by the working of God's power, not by anything he has done, not because he's so smart or he works so hard or anything like that, but by God's incredible grace and through the power that God provides, we're called to be his people. Now continue to read on with me in verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So everything seen and not seen, the angelic, demonic realm, and the entire world would see what the manifold wisdom of God on display through us together, living all of life all for Jesus. Reconciled, holy, set apart as the people of God through faith in Jesus, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That that as a people, um, united and identified by, by those things alone, most central, right? Not a political party, not an ethnicity, not a language, not a personality type, not a socioeconomic standing, not an education level, right? Nothing but the, the gospel of Jesus would be so shaping that, that his manifold wisdom would be put on display through his people individually called out and reconciled to faith in him by placing our trust in Christ by finding our identity and our purpose in him, and then together, communally, corporately, as his church. Now, I heard somebody quote a pastor, so I'm quoting someone who's quoting someone else, and, um, and, and, and I haven't been able to find, but it's, this is a pastor outside of the Washington, D.C. area, and he said this. He said, if you're a Christian but don't have a church, that's like saying you're married, but don't have a spouse. Okay, so I know that many of us would respond to that or think, well, right, the church isn't a building. Yes, amen, that is true, right? We are a church without a building, and we have felt the effects of that over these last five months. And, and the church is not just a service. Yes, amen. And, and now pause with me for a moment, because I think most of us, many of us, especially around society, you asked what is church, that's what it would be. It would be, right, like a steeple and open it and here's all the people, right? It's a building and it's um, also a service. It's something that you go to, but it's not less than that. It's that and so much more. Okay, the church is, again, living life together. And, and church, I just want us to understand that, um, that, that, that the Greek word, which is translated from the Hebrew word from Deuteronomy chapter 4, so you've perhaps heard the ecclesia, the, the people of God, the assembly, is, is the Greek translation for the um, Hebrew word from Deuteronomy chapter 4, which is talking about the assembled people of God. So it's the gathered and the scattered, and, and then the, 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 the fellowship, the the koinonia, and then the, the um, oikos, the, the household of God. I'm sorry, I just, I don't know any of those languages, right? By the way, I'm just trying to sound smarter than I am. But um, no, it's also to help us understand because there are lots of articles and different things written about this. And I just want to acknowledge like, we, that those things are true. And, and then to very simply put for us to understand, 
Like we can't display the manifold wisdom of God without interacting together, without living life together, without worshiping together. We have said from day one, we haven't stopped gathering, right, since um, I think it was March 15th was the first Sunday we did um, not, you know, all live together. And, and then uh, August 16th will be the first time we're able to gather back in some way physically together. And we've been gathering and we've been encouraging gathering in different ways. But all along, again, just what, what has it looked like? And even now for us going forward, what does it look like, church, for us to be the set-apart people who are, who are revealing or displaying the manifold wisdom of God as we live out this gospel together, who we are and what we do individually and together. And it's important because it's not just about us, but it's also God's great plan. Okay, the church is God's idea. His great wisdom, His great plan is that He would form a people, which I want to acknowledge if you're a strategist, like usually you come up with a strategy that's really guaranteed to work, right? Like, so just pause with me for a moment or even kind of help your imagination. Think about different people that are really good strategists. Do you think of God as a strategist? Well, he, he is, right? But like who comes to mind for you? Perhaps it's... Um, like an architect or a contractor who sees an empty plot of land in a specific part of town and then just has a vision and somehow works toward an end that is now a new development, a building, um, some, something that came from nothing. There's strategy involved there. Think of what one thing that came to mind with me, with me and I'm sure I'm not alone in this idea, especially if you have kids that are, you know, in the kind of early teenage years, um, but, but also just kind of cultural phenomenon, right, of Hamilton, right? R incredible. And if you know about some of the backstory of that, that Lin-Manuel Miranda was reading through the story of Alexander Hamilton, and he was able to see and connect the dots. Well, this is really a hip-hop story. And then, and then he said, and this really has a lot to do with the contemporary world that we're in Today And he was able to create, in fact, in pretty remarkable fashion, he sat down and wrote out the whole, the whole um, play, the whole mu musical, um, in, in a fairly short time period. And that became, again, this, this phenomenon that we know of today and probably have heard the song sung and join in them and all that stuff. Um, right? There's a strategy involved there. Military strategists, right? Um, coaches, See, I'm working hard. I, I left sports till last, all right? But a coach who, who knows that the end goal is winning and victory. And so in different sports, right? Anyone else longing for sports to be back together in different ways, um, right? How can we get these different people, these different body types in certain sports, right? To all work together to result in a victory. Well, God is a strategist and he puts together this victory, but we're imperfect people, Amen right? The church, we are not perfect, okay? I assume you all know that, all right? That we as the church as a whole and we specifically as Redemption Tucson are not perfect. We make bad decisions. We have made bad decisions. We'll continue to. Um, we, we do it, again, out of a desire for God's glory and for the good of others, and we, we seek to be clear and to repent and confess when we have made bad decisions. So why would God have a great plan 
that included really broken, imperfect people, like central to it. Well, pick up with me now in verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. God's eternal purposes, his eternal plan, his manifold wisdom is to use us, his church. Now, I want to pause for a moment and break this up into two parts. Okay, the church is God's great plan for us as individuals and for the world. All right, first, think about yourself in your own life. And honestly, now look at me for a moment. Have you been in places where you've wondered and considered God, what are you doing? God, do you have a plan? I've lost my job. I can't find a job. I, I've lost a loved one. I'm, I'm isolated from other people. I have mental health um, is, is waning. I am struggling here, and yet I, I'm, for good reasons, I'm not able to be around other people, and it seems like that's the very thing that I need. God, what are you doing? Well, somehow we see that God's great plan never stops. All right, I think I've shared this. I just want to share briefly with you before because I, I, um, my dad, long before he became a Christian, which he did just a couple of months ago, right before he would pass away, he, he, he talked to me and he painted this picture. Just And think about your own life as I share some of this story from my own. Okay, my dad was in the Coast Guard, and he um, had a, a, an opportunity to choose where he would go next for his um, kind of next assignment. And he was going to go to this place in, in this really warm, really beautiful climate, and, and then there were other options. Well, he was playing poker, and, and I guess this happened. I don't know if this still happens today, but he put his next assignment kind of on the line. And he said, okay, I'm, I don't really am out of m money right now, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll put this fact where now you can choose your next assignment and then I'll get whatever's left over. Well, he lost the game and ended up on an icebreaker on Lake Michigan rather than this really beautiful, warm climate. Now, fast fo forward about a year and the same thing came up and he was again playing cards and someone else put their next assignment on the line and um, my dad won this time and he got to choose this beautiful, warm climate in Spain. Well, now fast forward. My mom, who's working at a French bank in London, England, has a full scholarship um, to go to a, 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 a school there. And um, in her probably ill-advised decisions, she was loving life on the coast of Spain and didn't want to go back to cold, dreary England. And so she called up. She canceled her plans for school. She quit her job at the bank and um, the very next day, my dad was going on a double date with um, some of his friends, and the gal he was going to go on a date with um, got a terrible sunburn. Well, those friends also knew who would become my mom and said, hey, we know this gal who just decided to stay um, in Spain. Why, doesn't, why don't you, know, you guys, she'll come along too and write the rest is history. Four kids look later. We, and my dad told me that story in his truck Right? We're driving along, and before he was even a Christian, he painted this picture. He didn't know he was doing it, but he was explaining to me Acts chapter 17. 
right? Acts chapter 17, which explains that, that, that God has determined and allotted the, the periods and boundaries of the dwelling places of all people. This, this idea that's all throughout Scripture of God being sovereign and working all things out according to the purposes of His plan for the good of His people, right? And now you think, well, how did, how did you know, poker games and icebreakers and Lake Michigan and sunburns for, and, you know, jobs in London and somehow God is at work. And church, I say that because I want to encourage you. I want to encourage us that I, I, I would ask you, do you believe God is sovereign? And my guess is any of us who are Christian and who are a part of redemption in Tucson would say, yeah, yeah, I do. But how much does that sink into our hearts? How much does that shape our lives? Again, I, I want to ask you, how much does that give you hope? I, I want to remind you and encourage you, God has a great plan. And even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it seems like he is just not, has no clue what he's doing, he's at work. Okay, my own story, and more importantly in scripture, we see that to be true time and time again. And then zoom out. His plan isn't just for you and me, but it's for the entire world. Again, God in, in this crazy maker, why would he use us broken, imperfect people to be a blessing to the world? Well, we know from 2 Corinthians that his, his plan is to make his power, his strength made known through our weakness. So again, with that, while I said we are an imperfect people, we have a perfect head of this body. We have a perfect head pastor, Jesus, who is working all things, even our brokenness, even our foolishness, and somehow through our weakness, through our stumbling along as the church, we are his plan for the entire world. Well, how? All right, let me kind of quickly break this down into four things, four different aspects of of, of ministry where we see God's brilliant plan, God's manifold wisdom being on display through us, his church, his people, his gospel-centered people. The first is in times of crisis. As I said, in an individual level, we see that when crisis hits, when we lose a loved one, right, when we um, lose a job. My, my hope and encouragement to you is if you're a part of the church that you can know, you will never be homeless. All right, I know that some of us, that's, just, we're in, that's our, our concern and these different things, but in this time, like my hope, like for us as a church, we should close down the doors. If ever someone that is a part of our community is just, is, 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 is all of a sudden um, out, out, out on, the, on their own, all right, I have a, a family member, a close family member right now who is actually homeless, and I can say it's, it's really ultimately by his own decision, um, by his, his, own, his own choice. And, and the fact is that, um, and that's not the case for everyone who's experiencing homelessness, but I just think there's a peace for us that should be God's plan is to take care of us through each other in times of crisis. And also, historically and even in the not-so-distant past, that's been God's plan throughout the world, right? When Hurricane Katrina hit, what, some of the first people on the ground are, are, are Christian groups there. That when crisis hits in our city, in Safford School, our prayer is that the church, um, one, one phrase I heard, and actually Redemption Gateway, their, their kind of statement is why they exist. They say, we exist to be the best friend our community could ever imagine. 
It's the same idea that through crisis, God's great plan is to use his church. And then secondly, preventative ministry. All right, this is one I admit I had never heard of until I became a part of Redemption Church. But Tom Schrader, who passed away um, early last year and was the founder of Redemption Gilbert and then the founding pastor of Redemption Church, it was East Valley Bible Church. And he talked about this all the time. And it's just, again, entertain your imagination with me for a moment. What, has, what will we never know about this side of heaven, the outside of God's work through the church, um, would have happened, right? How many divorces would have happened but have been prevented through good discipleship, through God's word being taught, through people having hard conversations with one another? How many DUIs, how many addictions, how many, um, how many, how many just total um, lives of brokenness and, and destruction has God prevented through his church, Again, we'll never know, but I, I would hope to think, and I know in my own life, right, that phrase, if not for the grace of God, where would I be? Man, I just, that has been overwhelming me lately. What would my family look, what would my life look like? What would I look like, right, if I had not received God's grace most clearly through other people, right, Re- revealing that, helping me, growing me, shaping me in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Stephen said this earlier, and, and I, I, I love it, which leads into the third one, right? So we have, we have crisis, prevention, and then promotion. And Stephen talked about in the time of um, con- confession and assurance of grace, where, where, where Jesus is better, where Jesus shows us a better way. Um, and I want to acknowledge, though, sin looks really good, right? Like, I think it, we would be doing an, a, a, a disservice if we, if we pretended like sin didn't look really good and often is early on, right? Whatever it might be, whatever you struggle with, it's, there's, it, it's, 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 it's super tempting because it's, it's shrouded in a bit of truth, right? Hey, this will make you feel good, whether it's, again, a drug, a substance, an experience, whatever it might be, this will make you feel good. But again, like Stephen said, it always overpromises and under delivers. It never fails to fail, and so promotional ministry is that God's plan, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are like a city on a hill, right? You are like a light on a lampstand. He says that through seeing your good works, the world will glorify your Father in heaven. His plan is to put his way, his life on display through us that, that someone would see, wow, that is, that's a better way. Yeah, maybe not always short term, maybe some of the difficulties that come with following Jesus aren't just like, oh, that sounds so much more fun, right? That looks more fun than whatever this is, fill in the blank. But, 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 but looking that, that we would see that God is promoting the way of life that he calls us into that's best for us, that he designed us for, that he would reveal that, promote that through us. And then fourthly is preview ministry, okay? So again, that God's God's great plan through the church for the world is through crisis and prevention and promotion and then preview. Um, Wesley Newbegin, author and missionary, says this, the church is to be a sign, instrument, and foretaste of the kingdom of God. A foretaste that through our lives, through what we do together, through our gatherings, some of you have the gift of hospitality, 
hospitality. A number of different people came to mind, even to some who were here. I know like the, the Collins, Tovars, Reynolds, Paulsons, um, recent Pina Dare who just recently moved. Um, so many others who come and just lay out this incredible spread of food and give incredible drinks and, and who know how to set up a home in such a way that, that, is, is, that, is, that just brings all the senses together and, and, is, and is full of joy and laughter and that that is a foretaste for everyone who gets to participate in that when, when we hear about the wedding feast of the bride, Jesus, and he gathers his people and us, his church, together. I'm sorry, he's the, the, he's the groom, he's the bridegroom, and that we, his bride, the church, we come together, we feast, we enjoy these things together, and that's what we look forward to one day. And yet, right now, we acknowledge that we get to give a preview, a foretaste together. And yet, very lastly, church, I want to encourage us, because we all know we're not there yet. We could have an incredible party with great food, with great drinks, with great laughter, great stories, great community, but then we're quickly reminded, in some cases on the way home, the world's not the way it should be. But the encouragement is that the church is also part of God's enduring promise. In verse 13, it says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is suffering in this moment as he writes to the Ephesian church, but he wants to remind the church, listen, don't let this define you. Church, for you and me, go to places like Hebrews chapter 12 that says, run with endurance the race that has been set before you, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have gone for you, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Or like in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that says, um, though we are, are struggling right now, though our, 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 our outward person is, is, um, is, is, is wasting away day by day, um, God has prepared for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. Let us live in light of that. Let us continue to press on because Jesus is the head of his church and we are a part of his enduring promise. So again, let's close right now in response with sober recognition that we are not perfect. But let's respond in worship to our perfect head, Jesus. Again, Heavenly Father, um, thank you that you're good. Lord, thank you that you restore us as your people. Thank you that, um, that you have a plan, that you are not just throwing the dice. Lord, you love us, and you give us promises that will endure. So I pray, God, that by your Spirit, you will give us a renewed sense of, um, of, of, of endurance, of perseverance, of faith, of hope in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.